Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. We're going to go there uh, in a second. And uh, I want to I share with you, uh, we've, we started this month with this idea of love your neighbor s'more. Love your neighbor S'more. Yeah, I'm a dad and, uh, you know, puns are my game and that's how it goes. And uh, so what we actually have for you before you leave today, just as a reminder, because we've been doing this Love Your Neighbor campaign, we've asked you to help us out. We raised money uh, a couple of months ago, a few months ago for the food banks in the area. I'm so excited. I don't know if I said this in the last few weeks, but just in case you missed it and you didn't catch it, um, we raised over $3,000 to go towards uh, the local food banks in the area. And that was your gift, and, and it was above and beyond your tithes, and we're so grateful that you helped us out with that. But as a leadership, we thought it'd be good just, you know, we're getting into the summer, and there's not really a whole lot to go, you know, where to, we, you know, places for us to go, although some of us have been able to get away, which is great. Uh, but we want to remind you that, you know, uh, we want to continue to love our neighbor s'more. So when you leave today, uh, Cora and Philly, Philly uh, is going to be, that's just, uh, that's, uh, now that's on YouTube, Philly, like it's out there. And uh, so Cora and Philly are going to be at the side of the building as you're leaving to give you a, uh, a s'more kit that we put together, one per family and one for your neighbor. Uh, and if you want to take a couple of for your neighbor, neighbors, that's fine. But we want to remind you of the value and the importance of connecting with your neighbor, everything from checking in on them. Uh, listen, I, I mean it when I say you are the source that God is going to use to help bring calm in the midst of chaos. Your faith and your trust in Jesus is this is the moment for that to shine. And so we want to encourage you to bless your neighbor, love on your neighbor, continue to check in with your neighbor, serve them in any way that you possibly can. But I also want to remind you of how you're giving throughout the summer, you know, and again, just a reminder as you continue to give that it's going towards bigger things than just what we're doing here in the way of getting new equipment and lighting and, and of course, the ministry, everything from kids' ministry, youth ministry that's back up and running and different things like that. You know, your, your finances and your giving and your resources are going into uh, other parts of the world and other community ministries. And so over the next number of weeks, Throughout, uh, whether it's through sermon, which today it's going to be through my sermon, I'm going to share with you an interview that I have with Scott and Melissa Williams. I'm not going to show the whole thing. I'm just going to give you clips uh, because everyone at home can see everything. Everyone here is just going to hear the audio today, but I'm promise I'm not going to do the whole video. I'm just going to do clips. I will post the whole video after the service up on our YouTube channel so that you are able to watch the full 22-minute video that I had with Scott and Melissa Williams, who are missionaries uh, that we are supporting that have uh, that have gone to Spain to help plant a church. But man, I've got some incredible stories to, to share with you today in that whole interview of how, you know, these guys went with a plan to do one thing and God is multiplying that, which is the topic of my message today, exponential. And so throughout the next number of weeks, we're going to hear a clip from our global workers. I can't name them, can't tell you where they are. Uh, but if you're in-house, you're aware of them. And so I had an opportunity to sit and have lunch with them. 
and uh, and they gave me a five-minute audio recording. You can't see their faces, so we'll play that. Uh, Marcel is going to be here uh, in two weeks, and he's going to be sharing and preaching about what God's doing through YFC and through E3 uh, as he's ministering uh, beyond, uh, you know, the youth center and continue to touch people's lives, seeing people experience the miracles of God, people coming to Christ, people getting water baptized, and all of your giving is going towards that. And so it reminds me of when I was a kid. When I think about exponential, it reminds me of a kid. And I don't, remember, I don't know what your tradition was growing up as a kid, but do you remember going to church and your parents scrambling either in their pocket or in their purse looking for that quarter? Anybody? That nickel, that quarter? Like as a, as a kid, that's what I grew up with. Um, you know, every Sunday we'd get to the church and my mom would go, I'd say, Mom, you got offering? You got offering? And, and uh, you know, it's amazing how as a kid that has no money, you're excited about giving, whereas you become an adult and all of a sudden it's a bit more of a challenge. But, you know, and, and, and I would, my mom would, I could see my mom, you know, going through a purse. And how many know that a woman going through the purse could take a long, long time? I'm looking at my wife because she knows what I'm talking about. Every time Cora says to me, hold on a second, I think it's in my purse. I guarantee you that's a five-minute wait. Guarantee you everything's coming out of the purse. Anybody else relate to me? Please, you, show of hands, even online. Come on, man, get on the chat line and say that's me. Somebody say preach it, pastor. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And so my mom would scramble through, or then she'd go to my dad and, like, you know, do you have any change? My dad would finally find a quarter, and I would go, you know, to kids' church or Sunday school. And, and you know, as a kid, the excitement about going to you know, Sunday school and giving your offering was the challenge. There was always a challenge, right? And it was usually the guys against the girls, right? And you just wanted to beat. You didn't care about the quarter. You just wanted to beat it. Although I got to be honest with you, there are times where the quarter never really made the bucket. It kind of stayed in my pocket because everybody knows that's good. That's good candy money back in those days, man. Like that's, that's easily good for like five sour keys or something like back in my day. That's I'm, I'm dating. I don't even know if sour keys are around when I was that age, but I'm just saying like, you know, it was candy money. But when I look back in those moments and I think about that quarter and this small gesture that really was being used to teach me or introduce me to giving and the importance of giving as a follower of Jesus, what I came to discover was God's ability to take my small gesture or my small sacrifice or my step of obedience and his ability to make it grow. And to go beyond what I expect, beyond, like to do the exponential, the potential for greatness that's within that quarter, it would, you know, later on in life would blow my mind. And of course, the quarter for me now represents that, you know, that $10, that $20, that $100, that tithe that I give every year, or that sacrificial giving that I give when a missionary comes to give a report and we're raising money to help support them somewhere else in the world. Or that need that's within our community that every, you know, uh, Christmas, which, by the way, again, I don't even know if I shared this because COVID kind of kicked in pretty, click, you know, near the beginning of the year. But, but the two families that we supported at Christmas, $7,500 above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings went to support and to touch the lives of two families that have very little connection with community church and the impression and the impact that that had on their lives, that somebody that didn't know them cared enough to help them in their situation blew their minds. Love that. Love that. And I want to encourage you with that because of what I'm going to encourage you with today, reminding you that your small gift that you're giving 
that sacrifice, whether it's your money or your resource or your time, in God's hands, it has the ability to become something amazing. And how do I know that? Track record. Track record. If there's anybody that has a track record to take small gifts or small offerings and make them huge and big and multiply it for his great purpose, it's God, and it was the norm. It's the pattern of God taking what we have to offer, even the very little that we have to offer or the last that we have to offer, all that we have to offer. God's ability to take that and to multiply that was the norm in Scripture. Let me give you a couple before we get to our text today, which is John chapter 6. I'm reminded of 1 Kings chapter 17. Prophet Elijah is, is it's in the midst of famine. He's hungry. He meets a lady. He says, Madam, would you give me a glass of water and can you give me some bread? And she's like, I, I, I can give you the glass of water, but I can't give you any bread. All I have is a little bit of flour left, and I'm about to make some food for my son and myself because we're going to eat. This is the last meal that we're going to have because we expect to die. That's how bad the famine was. This is all that she had. She's about to prepare her last meal because she knew that after this, there was no idea that something else was going to come. This is it, and after this meal, we're going to starve to death. And the prophet Elijah looks at her and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in to your house. I want you to take the last little bit that you have, and I want you to go ahead and make me a small loaf of bread. And as you're doing this, I promise you, you're not going to run out. And then all of a sudden, she began to make this small loaf. And out of obedience to the prophet of God, instantly, all the flour that she needed was continuously there. All the oil that she needed was continuously there. It never, even though in her hand, that's all I have left. By the time God was done with it, she had more than enough for her future. Second Kings chapter 4, you find Elisha, who's Elijah's prodigy, and he's, he's out doing his thing, and, and he finds himself in a spot where, you know, he wants something, uh, you know, or he, sorry, he comes across a woman who's a widow, her husband had passed away, and they had very little left in their bank account, basically. And, and he comes across her, and she thinks this is over, and, and he asks her uh, for some oil, and she says, listen, all I have left is what's in this jar. After this, I've got nothing for my son, myself. We have nothing. It's almost very identical to the, you know, the story that Elijah went through. And Elisha looks at her and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to collect every jar that you can find around you, your neighbors. And I want you to take that little bit of oil, and I want you to start pouring oil into every one of those jars. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to run out of oil. So she sent her sons to go get all, this, all these uh, bottles of, of, you know, empty bottles and lined them up on the table and just began to pour into every one of those bottles. And she got to the last one, and she looks at her sons, and she says, you know, can you get me another, any more bottles? He goes, that's it. There's no more. And when she looked down, inside the bottle that she was using was still more oil. And again, out of obedience, sacrificing the very last that they had. They trusted God, and God took it and multiplied it. And probably one of the most famous stories is John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, 5,000 and plus, really, because this is 5,000 men, women, and children, they're following Jesus and the disciples. They're amazed at all of the incredible things that, that, that Jesus is doing in the way of the miracles. And, and again, Jesus being Jesus, he has a moment of compassion, and he's like, I want to feed all of these people. 
that's crazy just to begin with. And so he looks at Philip in John chapter 6, and he says, Philip, I want you to take what we have in the way of resources, and I want you to go into town, and I want you to get some food. We're going to feed this entire massive group, 5,000. What's really funny about this is, you know, I'm sure everybody was looking at Jesus going, okay, there's something wrong with you, man. 5,000 people and more, and you want us to feed all of them? And so Philip's like, Jesus, we don't have enough. We don't have enough resources to cover everyone here, even just minimally, let alone feed them to the point of satisfaction. I was thinking about this this morning. If you want to look at it this way, Jesus was broke. He didn't have, he didn't have very much in this moment. Don't build a theology on that, by the way, because you can't. Just saying in this moment. And then I sat there looking at it again this morning and thinking to myself, was Jesus kind of having some fun in that moment in the sense that he knew that what he was about to ask was ridiculous? That he knew he was going to get looks from his disciples going, what? Are you kidding me, Jesus? There's no way we're going to be able to feed all these people. We don't have enough money in our bank account. How many have ever felt that way? How many have felt like you've got this very little? Maybe you walk into church or maybe you hear of a need around you and you think, man, this is all I got. And how many times is God standing there going, no, it's not. It's not all that you have. I'm your father. I've got it. And so Jesus, you know, hears Philip say, well, there's this boy that's standing there and he's got five loaves of bread and two fish. But there's no way, Jesus, we're going to even, you know, feed them with all of this. And Jesus says, watch this. And verse 10 to, to 13, it says this, that, now there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, and, and the number uh, was about 5,000. And Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed these to all that were seated, and he did the same thing with the fish. And listen to this, and I, I've shared uh, uh, on this passage before in a different way, but, but it's interesting what John records here. He says, listen, they had as much as they wanted, and when they were filled... As much as they wanted. And then he looked at the disciples and he's like, hey, listen, now go ahead and collect with the baskets I want you to collect. And he came up with 12 baskets of leftovers. I love leftovers. Anybody else like leftovers? When I open up the fridge at lunchtime and I see leftovers, I get a little excited inside. I'm not going to lie. Especially when it's like ribs or something like that, like. I'm, I'm glad sometimes that my daughters are a little bit picky in the way that they eat because I'm like, yeah, that means there's more for me. In fact, sometimes I kind of like say to Cora, she knows, I think she's kind of figured up, figured out this little play on mine that I usually say, you know what, we should probably make more just in case the girls are a little hungrier than they normally are. Meanwhile, I know for a fact that they're not going to eat any more than they normally do, and I'm just going to have that for lunch the next day. Sweet. It hasn't helped me, but I'm just saying, you know, like, and so I love leftovers. But just think about this for a moment. Some of us wouldn't even feed our own families on five loaves of bread and two fish. Let alone 5,000. And in this moment, Jesus asked this little boy for everything that he had. You ever had a moment like that? You ever had a moment where you kind of look down at your bank account and you know that God's 
put on your heart or you're tithing and you're like, man, I don't know how we're going to make ends meet, especially, especially in the season of the unknown and the uncertain. And this is kind of a side note today, that even in the unknown and the uncertainty of life, the chaos and all that's going on, we still have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to follow in obedience to the scripture and trust God to work it out. We, we, don't, we don't know if there's any hesitation on the, the kids' part, but there doesn't seem to be any hesitation. Who knows? Maybe this kid's followed them for a little while, and maybe he's seen some pretty powerful things in God. Maybe he's seen, you know, some miracles, and he's thinking to himself, man, I don't know about the disciples, but I've seen Jesus, like, you know, heal a lame man. I've seen him heal blind eyes. Like, who knows? I want to see what he's going to do with these five loaves of bread and two fish. Let's see what he can do with this. And all of a sudden, God took this little and exponentially impacted all of those people. If there was a word that I want to share with you today, it's this. For all that are joining us online, for those of us who are here outdoors, when our sacrifice meets the Savior, it becomes exponential in his hands. That regardless of the size of the gift, small or large, when it's surrendered in obedience to his calling, it's an opportunity for God to do something exponentially beyond what you and I could ever imagine. And all it requires is obedience and trust. So even a few months ago when we sent out the letter to encourage you to continue to give, we understood that it was tough. Trust me, it was tough to send that letter. But the ministry was continuing. And one of the areas of ministry that was continuing was our support to all of our missions family. We have made a decision as a leadership team that no matter what happens, we are not going to uh, you know, you know, pull back on our agreement and our, our belief and our, and our heart that we wanted to support. And I've touched base with almost all of our you know, missions community, our missions family, and I've, all, I've said to all of them, listen, you don't have to worry about us. We're gonna continue to support you through this because we believe in the work that you're doing. But I just wanna share today a word of encouragement. And what I've found in my conversations, at least with a couple of them so far, I have another interview coming up this week with Trevor Gingrich, who's doing our, the church uh, in, in Humber. And, and that's going to be a fascinating conversation because I can't wait to hear what Trevor has planned for the fall with all of the school, you know, closing down and still doing everything online. And how's, you know, how's the church going to continue? And I'm sure God's been pouring into his heart. And if not, we need to be praying for Trevor. But, man, every person that I've talked to so far, what I've heard is that God is taking the little and he's doing way more than we could ever hope or imagine for. For example, with Scott and Melissa Williams. Scott Melissa Williams coming actually uh, not, I think it's next week, no, sorry, two weeks from now, will be officially one year to be in Spain. And of course, as Scott shares in the full-length video, that, you know, that first year for any missionary, any global worker, you know, it's really about establishing, you know, getting a home, getting your kids in school, uh, getting to know people in the community, figuring out, you know, it's, it's really a long, it's a long game kind of, of thing. And so in that time, it's really crazy because, they decided after the first few days of being there, they wanted to find a church that they can lock into for their kids, youth, all that kind of stuff. And they decided they found an international church in Spain. And so they went to this church. And man, I'll tell you, from that moment on, what was crazy is that you all of a sudden see 
how God led them there to plant a church. But I got news for you, and as you hear in this clip today, and those that are going to be watching right here in, this, in a moment, I'll give the, the, the crew a, a cue in a second. But what you're going to hear is that God's plan for them to plant a church is actually far bigger than what they could imagine. Can we go ahead and play the clip? So, well, we got to Spain in August, August 21st, in fact. Uh, when we arrived, um, we were here just a few days, and Melissa said, hey, I really, I really want to go to church. And so we got on Google, and we looked quickly for a few churches. There's not very many, so it's not that hard to kind of root through. So we found one that was just a few blocks away, in fact, uh, and we went. And do you want to tell the story? Yeah, sure. So we went to church on the Sunday morning, and um, it's an international church, and it was just really lovely. Uh, it had been a, a stressful few days here, um, just leaving everything we knew and living in a hotel and not being able to get answers to any of the questions that we had. And so just went to church, and it was really great. Um, but the whole time that the pastor was speaking, I kept thinking, man, that guy looks familiar. And I couldn't figure it out. And anyway, when we were leaving, Scott shook his hand and just very quickly, because there was lots of people coming up behind us, was like, hey, just want to introduce myself. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm from Canada. And pastor held onto his hand and was like, he was like, I just kept looking at you um, in the service and thought, you look so familiar. So anyway, we got sort of pushed out the door and we did what any normal person does. We went back to our hotel room and creeped them on Facebook <laughs> and um, found out that we had like 15 mutual friends and so many of them were from El Salvador. So we thought, you know what? We hosted hundreds of teams when we were in El Salvador. They must have been um, from, from there. Anyway, um, that was sort of the end of that. Scott and John stayed in contact for you know, just texting back and forth. And in the meantime, we were looking for an apartment and we actually settled on a place a little outside of the city of Barcelona. A couple months after we were here, Scott and the pastor got together for lunch one day. And uh, so they met up with each other and, and Scott said to him, he's like, hey, I know where I know you from. And he's like, you must have brought a team to El Salvador. He was like, nope, never been in El Salvador before. He goes, but I know where I know you from. And Scott was like, okay, where? Tell me. And Scott and I went to Southeastern College for the first couple of years that we were married. And Scott and John, the pastor here, played on the same soccer team in college <laughs> 25 years ago. It's crazy. And so crazy. in that conversation, you know, they just were sort of like so crazy that two guys from two different countries go to the same school, play soccer together, and then go into global missions and end up in the same city. Wow. So um, John, just like everyone else, asked, well, what do you, what do you want to do here in, in Barcelona, right? We talked to him what we had talked to you guys about, you know, that we wanted to maybe open a cafe, have it be a place to build community, and eventually, um, uh, it could be the starting point for a church plant. And he looked at Scott and he goes, that's really interesting. He said, um, we bought a, the church just bought a cafe and we close on the deal tomorrow and we don't have anyone to run it. And Scott was like, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. 
and uh, so anyway, he came home from the lunch and we had decided as a couple that we were not going to jump into anything really quickly. We wanted to make sure we were settled. We wanted to make sure the kids were doing well because this transition was very difficult on them. And uh, so anyway, we just sort of let things sit and just, you know, prayed about things and stuff like that. And then it, literally one week before COVID hit Spain, um, we were formally asked by them if we would um, be willing to take over the cafe and help run it. The business, and it's it's kind of threefold that business. So one is all the funds, all the profits go to social enterprise, so help, helping impact the community and some of the stuff that the church is already you know being a part of. In this case, it's marginalized children. So whether that's a local thing or a global thing, that's that's kind of what we're focusing on. It's also a, a space to help create relationship and easy conversational places for people to just feel comfortable and have a, have a good space. Mm -hmm. But the real awesome part, at least for me, one of the real big parts about this is um, a lot of what's going to be generated out of this is going to become a seed to be able to start plant church plants all over the place. So in our strategic plan, we said, hopefully we'll be able to plant a church. Well, the way this is headed and the plans that are already on the table and the stuff that we're kind of dreaming up is this is going to help plant like multiple churches, churches. <laughs> so yeah. it almost feels like it we're in way over our head and but it's just so exciting to be a part of something that's that's kind of rolling and, and growing because we already have very like very tangible two other locations where our coffee shops are going to be planted i say our coffee shops but you know like yeah, the whole the coffee shop the, the whole coffee shop business plan yeah and so that's that's a that's a really big that's a really big deal so like prayer but all that would be would be a good yeah. a good thing so well we got to spain in a Isn't that so cool? So, 25 years ago, playing soccer, and the two of them end up in Spain because Scott and Melissa, a couple of years ago, felt God calling them to leave where they were ministering in South America, come home. And then they felt God saying, go to Spain to plant a church. And one of their plans to use to build a church was a coffee shop. And then they connect with a church, with a pastor that has a passion for that, already has the cafe, doesn't have anybody to run it. And now it's not one church it's multiple churches. And guess what? You get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. My giving above and beyond my normal tithes and offerings, my, my sacrificial giving, my quarter, is impacting the world more than the plan that we had. God goes, watch this. Man, don't tell me God is not intentional. Don't tell me that God's hand is not at work in things. When you have this plan and all of a sudden you get there, God goes, let me show you how it's done, son. It'll blow your mind. And I, I love Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. 
says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything that you produce, your, your first fruits. And then, and then he will bless you. He will fill your barns with grain and your vats full, overflowing with good wine. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It says, glorify God with all of your wealth. Mean, let's be kingdom-minded about the resources that God has deposited inside of our lives. Honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. And I love this part. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. And when I sat this week and I interviewed them through Zoom, and again, I encourage you, watch the full 22 minutes. Uh, there's a spot, I was going to share another clip, but just because of time, I won't. I was going to show you another clip of a random act of kindness that they did in their apartment building or their complex, and the response that they got from the people in their building was amazing. God taking the small and the little and doing something significant. That's what he does. He takes the sacrifice and when it meets with the Savior, it has the ability to become exponentially bigger than we could ever think, hope, or imagine for. That's the God that we serve. And I highlight them this month just like we're going to highlight you know, our global workers, we're going to highlight Marcel, we're going to highlight uh, Humber and the ministry with Trevor, and, 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 and hopefully we'll be able to give you an update on what's going on with mission services, the areas, the things that we are supporting. Your quarter goes a long way, by the way. And I love the fact that we can be a part of that. So I just want to encourage you today. I know it has not been easy. There are people that are working through the uncertainty of work or maybe they've even lost their jobs or whatever. I get that. And I, trust me, if you need help, let us know. We'll do our best. But there's something about honoring God with our wealth and watching God turn something into something amazing. And it only happens when we're willing to to be obedient, just like the woman with the oil, just like the woman with the flower, just like that little kid with his five loaves and his two fish. When we just give and trust God, even if it's the last, and he doesn't always ask for that, but there are times where he does. I love what God's doing. And the little that you are, and I say little, it's still big, but what I'm saying is what we contribute every month, you know, what you and again, just give that thought, you know, this week as you're doing your tithe, that that little bit of extra that you might give can, is going towards supporting what God is doing through Scott and Melissa Williams and a plan that God had long before even 25 years ago. Isn't that crazy, man? I'm still blown out of the water on that. He's faithful. And I'm just believing that we're going to be a part, our giving, our resources is going to be a part of bringing revival to Spain. And listen, if you listen to closely what Scott said, it wasn't just Spain, it's other parts of the world. And so I just encourage you to keep, keep in your giving, just give thought to all of the missions above and beyond your tithe, the missions family that we're supporting. Give that some thought. Would you all stand with me?
and I'm going to end this way today. Would you just take just a few moments right now, would you pray for all of our global workers, all of our community workers, community efforts that we're a part of? ...to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.